Welcome to the Writing to Get Business podcast, where you'll get tips to expand your writing skills. Every week, you'll hear tips and strategies to support your writing. Pat Iyer is your show hostess, a ghostwriter, editor, and author who has written 48 books. Sit back, relax, and listen. Here's your hostess, Pat Iyer. Hi, this is Pat Iyer with Writing to Get Business, and today I'm bringing you another interview of a successful author, Chad Burmeister, who is a person who I met through the C-Suite Radio Network, and they're hosting this particular podcast. Chad is the founder and CEO of ScaleX.ai, and he has written four books, and I'll be talking with him today in the show about what drove him to write four books, and how do those books fit within his business model. Chad, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Pat. It's, uh, it's great to be here. Tell our listeners a little bit about your company, ScaleX.ai, and what are you doing in that company? What's the focus of that? Sure. Our main mission is to help founders and CEOs of mainly startups to go out and prospect more effectively. So we bring together data, uh, from the best data sources in the world, complete with phone number, email, social. Then we help them with email outreach, social outreach, paid ads through places like LinkedIn and Instagram, and finally, phone conversations. So our typical customer will experience nine to 10,000 sales touches per month when they sign up with us compared to a typical in-house resource that might do 1,000 activities. And we do this because we're powered by artificial intelligence, automation, and humans combined into one solution. Therefore, the picture behind me. <laughs> yes, it's a very appealing picture. <laughs> Although I, I have to say that my brain prefers the female. I'm assuming that's female unless that's an it's androgynous kind of, male. Uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting. It's, uh, I think it keeps you guessing. You're not quite yeah. sure because of the haircut and, and look. So. Yeah. And maybe that's lipstick. Maybe it's not. But it's definitely what looks like a male face on the other side. Yes, yes, yes. Interesting. Interesting. Are you the founder of this company? I am the founder. We started in December of 2017. And Mm -hmm. I had been running a lot of inside sales teams. Therefore, AAISP is called the American Association of Inside Sales Professionals. I've been part of that association for 10 years. And so I've been with some pretty well-known companies, uh, most recently Ring Central. I was with On24 that does web platforms. Um, I was with Riverbed Technology that speeds up wide area networks and WebEx before that. So it's, uh, you know, I've had a lot of experience running these high velocity in, inside sales teams. So ScaleX was kind of just the next, next natural thing for me. You got the entrepreneurial bug and went out on your own. I do. I did 15 years ago. I made an attempt to go out on my own and this little two words called cash flow caught up to me. And you know, you can sell a lot, but if you don't have the proper saving uh, patterns in place, then you can real quickly get your head over your skis. I'm a big skier, uh, the picture over my other shoulder. Mm-hmm. So you, you know, that was my first go at it. And so going back to corporate America for 15 years after that, 
was extremely valuable to learn profit and loss and how do you build a business effectively. Um, so this time around, I'm two and a half years in and we just got our valuation back yesterday and they, they claim that we're worth $9 million. So, oh. <laughs> so far, so good. Yeah. I guess it was worth waiting then. It was worth the wait. And you also got out of business before the 2007-2008 crash as well, which would have been even more of a challenge, I think, at least from running a business during that time frame. I remember the cash flow issues that affected my business and made it rather uncomfortable at that time. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, and we're feeling it a little bit right now because so many companies and customers their customers aren't paying them on time. And so it just goes all the way through the payment chain. Um, I'm hopeful that the, you know, PPP and all these uh, SBA loans will free things up in the economy, but it's certainly an interesting time to be living through everything. Well, take us back to the time that you decided to write your first book. What prompted you to say that writing a book was something that you would want to engage in? And did you have an idea as to what you're letting yourself into? The very first book that I wanted to write and never wrote was 15, 20 years ago. Um, in fact, 2002, because I went back to the drive and directory to, to do some research to figure out when, when was that. And I had transitioned from transportation software, Airborne Express and FedEx, into software, so transportation sales to software sales. And I, I learned that it was night and day. In transportation, it's very ethical and above the line. And in software, I was exposed to a lot of unethical practices. Um, sell a million dollar deal on Friday and on Monday, oh, sorry, we can't deliver everything you just bought on Friday. Like certain very unethical practices. Whoa. It was very interesting. So I wanted to write a book on ethics in software selling to say, hey, what can we learn from Fortune 500 and put into software selling? So the book was supposed to be called Software Selling the Right Way. And I could picture it and everything. And I, I would be on airplanes all the time. So I would write all the chapters and, you know, I started to build the, the chapter headings. And I did that for four or five years here and there. It was kind of spotty. And, and then I never put it out. So what, what caused me to actually write my first book was I was on an airplane with my son and my whole family, but my son was sitting right next to me. And I had a, a Wi-Fi open with Gerhard Schwatner from Selling Power Magazine and Sales 3.0. And he was talking to my sales operations person, Ashley White from Texas, and I, you know, I was on my iPhone watching it before the plane took off. And then at 10,000 feet, I could turn the Wi-Fi back on. And he was still having the same conversation that he started 10 minutes prior. And it involved, Ashley, what are you passionate about? And she said, well, I want to, you know, I like to go to Galveston, Texas from Houston. Um, we like, we have a, um, not a speedboat, but a smaller jet ski that fits two people. And she goes, but my family, I think it's five people in her family, husband, three kids. We can't all go on the jet ski at the same time. So I'd really love to get a bigger boat. We'd love to buy a house there. Gerhard, oh, what does the house look like? 
oh, well, it's on stilts, it's on the hill. She could describe it all very visually. And I'm sitting there next to my son thinking, wait a minute, I've wanted to write a book for my whole life, for half of my adult life, and I haven't yet. And here he's talking her through the visualization of the first book or of, of her dream house in Galveston. And I was like, I'm going to write a book. So I sent an email to about 30 top executives and authors and people that I know. And I said, I'm going to write a book called Sales Hack. This was right about the same time Sales Hacker was coming out, coincidentally. Um, Max Altshuler is a good friend of mine. And so I sent a note out and I said, I have 50 days before Dreamforce to get this book published. It's taken me 15 years to get to this point, And mm. now I got 50 days. Let's go. So I sent out a note, an email to all these leaders and copied them all in plain sight. And then once one person replied, then the next one replied, sure, I'll contribute a chapter. So before you know it, I had 30 chapters. I planned on 25 and I ended up writing the book with 30. And this was the finished product, uh -huh. Sales Hack. Um, and this one is the signed copy from multiple people that, you know, helped contribute to the book. Mm -hmm. Tibor Shanto, uh, Gerhard, uh, Larry Reeves from AAISP, Craig Kleeman, the best cold caller in the world. So I crowdsourced the first book and it helped me get it done in 54 days from the time I came up with the idea of the time it was published. <laughs> 15 years reduced to 54 days. That's fascinating because that first book on the sales done right was trapped inside you and it never escaped. You worked on that, you noodled away at it. And the second book burst out of its shell. You made a very public commitment by copying all those people and asking them for chapters. Why do you think the first book never saw the light of day? Because the world was shifting from traditional software selling into SaaS selling. And so there was a real yin and a yang, right? And a, and a cut point in history where the traditional Oracle sale that's people were trained on or PTC parametric technology was another selling organization. That type of environment kicked off a lot of people who sold that way. And then those leaders were running the organizations top down, teaching people how to sell. So when SaaS started to come out and said, look, you can sign up instead of a million dollars, just pay us $10,000 a month and you can cancel at any time. That changed the entire dynamic of the world. And the shift in the product in the market had to you know, really be rolled out to a lot of different companies before other leaders like me could come into that and say, ah, now this is good because it puts the power and the control of the customer. If I'm not delivering to your needs, then you can cut me off. And that's what I liked because now I could align to your business needs as a buyer and it keeps us honest as the seller. So I think that shift over that period of time had to occur Otherwise, I was grinding the gears. Had I put out selling the software the right way, it would have been 15, 10 years, probably five to 10 years ahead of its time. Mm. And all of those former software execs would be like, what is this? This guy has no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> so.
That's, that's what it is, I think. Which is an interesting point, because if you are ahead of your time, then you rely on your market to say, oh, Chad's got it. And we have authors in our space. Uh, um, I'm thinking of Malcolm Gladwell, for example, who puts together books that make you say, of course, that makes sense. But he has such a great way of organizing his thoughts when he talked about the tipping point or blink. He could put in words as a thought leader and as a gifted journalist what we intuitively understood. But what I'm taking away from what you just said is that if you're too far ahead of your industry, then they may end up stoning you or burning you at the stake and saying, what does he know? He's, he doesn't have any credibility. Yet you can see it coming, but the timing is not right for a book of that nature. Yeah, well, I remember one of my neighbors in Colorado was the head of US West, Dick McCormick, and he was the CEO. And I interviewed him after he left by three or four years. And I was asking about innovation and technology. And they came out with this set-top box where you could go in and order a movie online. You could do data, voice, digital, all through a set-top box through your cable modem. And back then, that was like 1990-something. The speed of connection to the house wasn't there. So they had all these test groups. And, and they, they rolled it out in Utah and a couple other markets, I think Idaho. And it never went. And, and yet, if you look at tools like Zoom Video and Ring Central and all these other technologies that are doing voice over IP and video, it's, it's prevalent. So he was a early leader and innovator in the space that ended up leading to a lot of future innovations. So I think you're dead on with Malcolm Gladwell. He does a great job of taking what's coming and tying the, you know, making the bridge between the past and the future mm. in a very elegant way. I'm also fascinated by the process that you used in assembling that first book. I have been the editor of books with multiple authors and have experienced the joys and the sorrows of bringing contributors into a project. Most of them joys, but in every book that I have been the chief editor of or, or had a team of editors working with me, there's always one person, if not two, who likes the idea of being published more than they like the idea of writing. And then there's the other category of author who has the little black cloud surrounding the head, the, the property struck by lightning and fries the computer the sister falls off a horse and breaks her arm. Uh, there's some tragedy that prevents delivery of material. I'm just curious if you encountered in your 25 chapter book, did you encounter any of those types sure. of scenarios? I think both of those, you hit the nail on the head. Um, one, one of them was an author. I would call him out here and he'd be fine with it, but I won't. Uh, he, the, I had two people edit the book. One was my former CEO of a company he loves to read. So he read it three times. And he said, when he got to this chapter, he was like, I got hit by a buzzsaw. It was terrible. Like, and by the way, this was a 
published author who's written seven or eight books and he knows admittedly over at dinner once he's like, yeah, you know, I, I don't follow all the grammatical requirements of writing a book, but my editor's supposed to do that. And even after it went through the editor, it still didn't have, uh, didn't have much to it. Um, I, the content's great. Let me take that back. There's a lot to the content. There's a, uh, there's just some grammatical errors, right? I, I don't think he made it through that English class in, in high school or college, but, uh, but yeah, that was certainly an issue. The, the key to it is to oversubscribe. So I'm very, hey, this is the date. We're hitting Dreamforce. <laughs> no way around it. Therefore, seven days before, I need the book. Otherwise, you're not going to be in the 500 copies that we hand out at the event. So as long as you're very clear on that. And then I also said, I don't, th this was another thing that my uh, CEO taught me don't ask them to go rewrite a chapter for your book. Say, look, have you written blogs? Have you given your team a presentation before? Give me some context and piece of material you've already written and please try to pick the best sales hack you ever invented that's already written about. That way there was no lag time. It's just, hey, here's the blog post. Go reuse that. And then they signed a release form and said, you own the, you own the copyright on that. So. That's, that's how you get around it. Set it. That is a great strategy. Yeah. Have you done another book like that with other people contributing or did yes. you do solo authorship? So good question. In sales hack, it's funny. It was like a prequel. I felt like it was star Wars or something because <laughs> sales hack, this one was everyone else's sales hacks. Then I said, okay, I got to go back and button up this. I guess this is selling software the right way in a format of let me share with you 25 to 30 hacks that I've learned over my career. And so I listed all those out. So this one I contributed a lot to, but there were a handful of people who wanted to be in book one that didn't make it cut. And I said, why don't I put in some bonus hacks? So I think I put in six or eight bonus hacks so that I could crowdsource more people in the second book. Um, and that was great. And then, my, so then my third book, I was a chapter in this book called Journeys to Success. Uh -huh. This was crowdsourced the other way. So this person reached out to me, um, Mr. Tom Tuktal Cunningham. Um, he passed away about two years ago in 2018 or so. And, but this guy was such a inspirational leader. He spoke all over the world. He he was so motivational and he reached out and said, Hey, we've seen your stuff. We've seen what you're writing. Do you want to be part of a bestseller? And so it turns out volume nine was the last volume that he put out and I got to be in it. Mm -hmm. And what was, I'm getting chills telling you about it because what I contributed in this case is, is how religion played a role in my career. When, right. It's not about me success powered by God. And so I was able to kind of talk about all the trials and tribulations of your career. And yet when I turn over the keys to someone other than me to say, where do you want, where do we, where are we going next? Then it always leads to the right place, right? Right for me and right for my life. So, so that one was very cool crowdsourced the other way. Um, my last book, I think, you know, if I hold this up, 
<laughs> I can see AI for sales. It looks remarkably like a picture behind you. Except, um, I can tell the sex of the person on the other side. Yes, yes. This one's definitely male. Um, <laughs> so Penn and Teller, actually, when I went to Vegas a while back, they held this up and we have a picture on the website of Penn and Teller. So that's kind of neat. But what, what was really neat about this is that in March of 2019, I had had one of the toughest months of, of my career because, you know, cash flow in a small company matters. And so I had a COO, a head of ops, a few salespeople that were getting paid payroll. And normally we're selling 200,000, 100 to 200,000 a month. And in March we did 30. So all of a sudden I got a hundred thousand dollar bill that I'm staring at across multiple vendors and I've got 30,000 coming in. And so I'm like, Oh no, Chad, you've done it again. You know, you tried this 10 years ago. Now you've got your head over your skis. What do you do? So I got a few mentors. That's the first part, four mentors. In fact, for all different pieces of it, one of my mentors sent me this TK Cater, who's the former CEO of tout app, which got bought by Marketo. He became the head of strategy. He sold Marketo to Adobe for $4 billion. And now he's my mentor. And so he sent me this and it says, that was easy. That was easy. And so his perspective was, you know how to manage your finances. Like you're a smart guy. You've gone through a lot of education and an MBA. Do it. And, and I, I was like, it's, you mean it's that easy? So we had to unwind what's going on in my head about, I like to go to Vegas sometimes. And I had to really peel that back. Well, the reason I tell you that story is that imagine you're $100,000 upside down. You've just spent your IRA funds. And what do you do next? So first, I spent more time with my wife for a couple of weeks. We'd go do a puzzle at night and just really try to slow the universe down and say, I'm alive. I can breathe. There's a really good quote by Jocko. And if you, oh, I just would watch that every day. And it's like, if it's bad, if you look up Jocko, if it's bad, good. And this is a military guy who, who led platoons and whatnot in the military. And, and it's like, if it's bad, good. He goes, you know, one of my guys used to come to me and he would say, you know, I already know what you're going to say. And he goes, what am I going to say? And he's this big dude. He's like, you're going to say good, but it's bad. He's like, the mission's, and so Jocko drills in and says, you need to learn from those experiences when they're bad, good, no matter what it is, as long as you can breathe and you can walk and talk, then you're a miracle, like use it. So mm -hmm. I tell you that story because what came out, I went to this concert called Need to Breathe, and they have a song called Difference Maker. And I think if you listen to it from the self perspective, you might think, I'm the difference maker because it sings about I am the difference maker. And if you listen to it from a, relig a religious perspective, you might think, well, I'm not the difference maker. You are, right? So I'm in this moment with my wife watching this show thinking, what do I do? How do I get out of this negative cash flow situation? And I just, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I said, you know what? I've done books before. I'm really going heavy in AI. I need to write a book on AI for sales. And this time, rather than saying, hey, 30 people, send me your chapter. 
I said, why don't we sell a sponsorship to some of the chapters? If you want your logo on the cover of the book, that's 15,000 bucks. If you want to have your quote on the first couple pages and we'll highlight your business, if you want to be part of a webinar and a podcast. So we, I put together some packages. We ended up selling $35,000 in book sponsorships. And one company had an entire pallet of books, 1,000 of them shipped to their office. I still get people who call and say, Chad, I got your book from Zoom Info in Oregon when I went to, I think they're in Oregon, uh, Washington, somewhere up in that Pacific Northwest side of the country. And I still get leads from that. Hmm. And it helped get me out of the cash flow bind. And it helped get leads that continue to come in a year after the publishing of the book. So that's what I really wanted to share with your audience today is if you're thinking of doing a book, even if you're, even if you think that it's too early, be like us West, you know, go ahead and do it. Don't wait. Um, there's, there's companies, self publishing school, Chandler bolt does this amazing. Let me show you how to do it fast, right? Pick the thing that can go the fastest that you're most passionate about. He has a whole YouTube video program and online about how to get your book published. So it's just been so fun for me to put books out. And um, I don't think I'm done. I'm four in and I'll probably have 10 before I'm done. <laughs> and have you ever met Chandler Bolt? So yeah, Chandler, so that was fun. Remember the need to breathe story I told you about in Colorado Springs? Well, I was skiing in February of this year and in Canada, and I'm, I'm on the lift with this kid that I'd never met, and I'm humming a song. I think it was Difference Maker or one of the songs like that. So I'm sitting there humming it. He goes, what, what song are you humming? And I had just listened to it on my uh, loudspeaker the last couple of days while I was skiing. And I'm like, need to breathe. You ever heard of him? And he goes, yeah, my brother's in the band. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, which one? He's like, Seth Bolt. You know, I'm like, yeah, yeah, backup vocals and um, plays guitar and bass. Yeah, of course I know. He's like, yeah, that's my brother. So it was interesting how it all, you know, the randomness of that, of me being on the lift with him and in the same cat. There were 48 CEOs. He's the CEO of self-publishing school, $18 million business. And I was in his cat. I was on the chairlift and I happened to be humming Need to Breathe. I may not have ever learned that, that fact, but since I was humming the tune, I was able to figure that out. So pretty neat. That's remarkable. It reminds me of those degrees of separation that we talk about. Who would have thought that a song that you were singing would be, or humming would be related to the brother of somebody who's sitting with you? Yeah, just amazing. So I think he's now passed that story on to his brother. And, <laughs> uh, you know, Hopefully next time he comes to town, he's been to the two Red Rock shows that they did here. Uh -huh. Chandler. So I said, well, look me up next time. Let's make sure to go together. And then maybe I'll get a backstage pass and meet the band. <laughs> <laughs> that would be lovely, wouldn't it? That'd be amazing. I'll give him a signed copy of my book that was inspired by them. <laughs> uh -huh. Well, you've shared in this podcast, Chad, some very interesting models. You, you talked about your first book that stayed in you and you realized it wasn't the right time to release it. And then under the pressure of a 50 day deadline, 
which is totally remarkable, I have to say. You put together 25 authors who repurposed material for that book in time to be able to have that available at a conference. And that does prove to the procrastinators who are listening to this show that you really can turn something out quickly if you've got a pair of hands between your shoulder blades pushing you like a immovable deadline associated with having a book for a conference. And you've also talked about identifying then the need that you've highlighted other people's expertise in that 25-chapter book, which led to your next book of highlighting your own expertise, as well as some people who couldn't get into the first book because they missed the deadline. And now you've shared with us wrapping up, and I know this is not going to be your last book, the model of getting sponsorship. Uh, People can put ads in the back of a book. Uh, They can white label or private label that book with their own introduction. Sometimes CEOs write uh, a forward for a book and put in their logo and then distribute that to their employees as a credibility booster and pride builder, as well as for you, it turns out to be a money enhancer since you not only sold the sponsorships, but you've gotten leads from the material that you put in that book. What's yep. next for you, Chad? Uh, you've got another book in you, I know. Yeah, you know, it's it's fun. I, I actually made a deal with God a year ago, and I said, hey, I've always thought $4 million is where I want to land when I retire. And I said, if, if I can just stretch it to eight, then I'll use a million of the eight and we'll build the church. And so just in the past week, I've got a valuation done on the company. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't cheap to do the valuation, by the way. I invested about $7,500 for that. So it's a buttoned up legitimate valuation. And you'll never guess at the number that they came back with, $9 million. So God said, not only will I give you the eight, but I'll give you a plus one so that it's just a rounding error. Um, my, I feel like my, my life's passion is that my grandparents were very religious people. They did a lot of one-on-one mentorship of people in Dallas, Texas. My grandfather was with uh, an HR with mobile oil, and I don't think he had a bad bone in his body, nor did my grandmother. I really owe it to them because they've given this gift of belief, and belief is so important in anything you do, right? Not, I'm just not just talking about your belief in the higher power, but just belief that things can be done, that I don't, I don't know what's over the horizon yet, but I think I'm in my mid forties and I think I'm only halfway through the book of my own life mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm excited and eager to see what the next path is and wherever the, wherever it takes me, you know, it'll be helping other people and um, to be successful in what it is they do. And it's a way for you to share the gift and the rewards of all the hard work that you've put into building a business. We all know, all entrepreneurs listening to this, know that you don't build a business overnight and you don't build a business easily. You make a lot of sacrifices and you commit long hours to building your business. And now you have an opportunity to help other people with all of that hard work that you put into your business and all the work that you'll put into it in the future. Yep. 
books are good. If you haven't written your book and you're thinking about it, just do it. <laughs> Easy as that. Excellent. Well, thank you, Chad, so much for sharing your time with our listeners today. I appreciate that. And this is Pat Iyer. I've been talking with Chad Burmeister, the CEO of ScaleX.ai. Look him up, check out his books, and thank you so much for spending your time with us as we talk about writing to get business. Thank you, Pat. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Check out Pat Iyer's resources for writers at writingtogetbusiness.com. That is W-R-I-T-I-N-G-T-O-G-E-T-B-U-S-I-N-E-S-S dot com. Coaches, consultants, and entrepreneurs work with Pat so they can get more business by writing and sharing their expertise. Check out Pat's resources on writingtogetbusiness.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>